Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to another episode of In The Can, part of the Barnburner Podcast Network, where we talk about movies, pop culture, uh, or as the snooty assholes like to call them, films. Sometimes... We're talking old movies. Sometimes we want to revisit the old classics, the movies that made us fall in love with movies to begin with. They could be bad. They could be good. They could be anywhere in between. Today, I'll be joined by my buddy Steve, the Peace Corps protector, and uh, we're going to be talking a Tom Cruise classic for you guys. So let's jump into it. Here's Mission Impossible. Inquisitive Sloth on the Barn Burner, and what I like to call the Peace Corps Protector, just because I, I like that nickname. It just it's sounds good to me. It's a great nickname. Just go with it. Well, right. Steve, glad to have you here, man. This podcast, should you choose to accept it, will be dangerous and maybe even a little confidential. As always, yeah. should you or any of the barn be caught or killed, the chief, me, I will disavow any knowledge of your actions. Good luck, Steve, and are you ready for this podcast? I am ready. I accept the challenge. Appreciate it, Sam. Appreciate you inviting me back. I'm glad I passed the test on the first podcast. Yeah, man. I was a little hesitant on. I was like, "Am I going to get a? Am I going to get an invite to do another?" That's kind You're of. You're back. Sad. I made it. You're back. Uh, we're, well, if what, you haven't uh, already guessed, I'm going to go ahead. No, I'm just curious. What part is going to self destruct? Uh, at the end. At the end, you know, obviously, at the end of the podcast, you have five seconds, then you're gone. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Uh, if you haven't already guessed, we are talking 1996's Mission Impossible, the first of the Mission Impossible series. Uh, let me give you a quick little plot description to set the tone. And again, we will be talking full spoilers. So if you somehow haven't seen a movie that's 20 years old, it's on. It's online. It's on streaming right now. All right. So when U.S. government operative Ethan Hunt, played by Tom Cruise, and his mentor Jim Phelps go on a covert assignment that takes a disastrous turn, Jim is killed and Ethan becomes the prime murder suspect. Now a fugitive, Hunt recruits brilliant hacker Luther Stickel and maverick pilot Franz Krieger 
What a name, Franz Krieger, by the way. It's a good name. To help him sneak into a heavily guarded CIA building to retrieve a confidential computer file that will prove his innocence. That's just a great summary there. That's just that, that really sets the tone for a nice little spy, little spy, you know, uh, espionage twist and turny movie. What do you think? I like it. Who wrote that? Did you write that? Did you steal I that? Did not. No, that was no. Uh, that was online. I think that was the original, like the plot summary they released on um, the, the, the Paramount released. That's beautiful. It's one sentence, one nice long sentence. It, it sums is. up the whole movie. No, two, <laughs> two sentences. But yeah, yeah. There's a period in there, but but yeah, sure. very much so. They just don't, you know, they don't set up movies like that anymore. This is a classic spy type setup here, and I feel like there's just not a lot of those coming out, well, except for the sequels to this movie. Right, which did you know? I didn't actually realize until we I was studying this movie up that another one is coming out at the end of this month. Yeah, dude, I thought that's kind of why you, I thought that was the timeliness of this. There, nah, I haven't seen like how worked out. They're I haven't good, seen any but apparently. this one. Okay, well, so they are. They are. I've seen like the first four of them, um, and they get better. Well, usually, you know, movies don't get better; they literally get better mostly. Uh, and now they got like a Christopher McQuarrie, who's a pretty famous screenwriter and direct, the guy that wrote Usual Suspects. He, okay. he writes and directs them now. So they're like kind of fun, action-y, like witty movies. Um, so they're kind of taking a weird turn. But we are talking the first one, which was directed by the infamous uh, Brian De Palma um, of, uh, of Scarface fame. And, uh, and, and in fact, like a very, very big famous director. Uh, and so it's, we- it's weird to me he directed this. It's kind of like a step off the path for him. Uh, but right out of the gate, man, did, does this movie suck? Like, because it might. What do you think? I don't know, man. It, this movie does not suck. If you're going to say that a movie sucks, you're kind of measuring it in the 2017-2018 standard, right? You got to think about 1996, Sam. This is when this movie came out, right? Now, I'm going to name off. I'm going to rattle off a couple 1996 movies for you, okay? You ready for this? Twister. Okay, that's a great fucking movie. Independence Day. Space Jam. <laughs> Happy Gilmore. Not Jerry Maguire. Okay. No, I'm just I'm I'm pointing to you. This is a very specific time in U.S. cinema, okay. 1996. Yes. Right. Okay. Mission Impossible comes out. Jerry Maguire. This is classic. Tom Cruise, a classic pillar of, of American action movies. I you know in 1996 the music, the the action, the technology. I think it's top notch. But I just watched it for the first time like a week and a half ago. That's why I pitched this movie because I was like, oh, this movie was terrible. <laughs> it's so corny. <laughs> There's so many holes in the plot. It didn't make any damn sense. Yeah, but and we'll get to that too. But yeah, It makes perfect sense when I take a step back. You know, yeah. I go back to me being six years old, watching Mission Impossible. Come on, come on man. You can't get a better movie than that. Well, based on the 60s television show too. So it's not even an original idea. It's based Very on the on, yeah, on a uh, kind of a goofy, uh, campy, just like how um, Batman, you know, the Adam West Batman had the kind of campy thing in the 60s. Like this was a campy spy show. Yeah. And then they, they took it in the 90s, similar to the way they did Batman in the 80s and kind of turned it into like a, a gritty kind of drama. Basically took nothing from the 60s show except the name and the main character's name. <laughs> I heard that they tried to get the, the main cast in the actual movie. They found out that they got killed off in the very first scene. They're like, nah, it's okay. Yeah, they really fucked that. Also, the, 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 the original like showrunner of the 60s show came on set, um, and De Palma told him to go fuck himself, basically. He was, he was like, <laughs> what, I liked, what I liked the most about that entire interaction was the guy was like, yeah, all right, all right. Yeah. He, <laughs> set, he didn't come back. What a reasonable guy, reasonable yeah. guy. He was yeah, like, yeah, like, we're oh, going to fuck heads. 
that's good. Uh, well, here's one thing. So this movie, like, you know, has like kind of a cold open with a uh, kind of a, a twisty, turny heist thing. And then it hard cuts the titles that are very much like a television show. Did you notice that? It's like 30 seconds long and it looked like it was The Office. Like I envisioned it with the Office music playing in the background, but it's <laughs> like the Mission Impossible music, but it's like names of the actors and like weird little images, like but little I'm moving images man. of like stuff that happens later in the movie, just like a TV show. Like, you know, how the opening of a TV show shows stuff from other episodes you haven't seen yet. Yeah, like that's it, like reminded me of that. It's like, like a, a montage walker. of what's to come. Right. Yeah. It, it was really weird and very uncinematic. And I, I was like immediately thrown off by that, which I mean, and of course, I was in a tailspin the whole movie trying to figure out what the fuck was happening. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. No, the movie dude. gives you a lot of twists and turns. There's no question about that. I don't I think it knows what it's twisting and turning, though. <laughs> I got to go back and watch that opening scene, though, because I, I can't think of what you're talking about. The titles? I can't I feel like I'm that. No, I, I don't know. It's I it might have. I don't know. Right now, it's slipping my mind. And maybe that's par for the course of this the, the mid '90s uh, kind of movie. But I don't know. It was goofy to me. And, and Tom Cruise, big year for him. Jerry Maguire, um, he was an Oscar nominee for that movie, and yep. that's kind of one of his more critically acclaimed roles. But I mean, Cruise just has been a mainstay man. Like every decade, like he finds a way to stay relevant. And I really I respect that a lot of him. Yeah, yeah, I respect yeah. him. Now, I mean, when did Top Gun come out? Hmm, the late 80s like 87 no dude that was like late late 80s uh and then risky business was when he kind of came onto the scene you know with the underwear dancing scene yeah man Uh, he's been killing it for like 30 years years. yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i know i know uh and and what's crazy is he's still doing the same you know like a lot of actors like tommy lee jones will kind of age into different roles but he's just fucking doing the same character doing the same shit did you see uh man let ethan rest uh, when did did you see the movie uh, Made in America or American Made, where he's like a drug smuggler, oh, yeah. a plane pilot? I watched it while I was hungover, half in and out of sleep. So no, I didn't. But okay. I know Enjoy what you're talking it about. <laughs> it's another <laughs> way. It's the exact same character. He's just doesn't matter if the man's 25 or 45. He's going to play the exact same action character. I love it. He also always dates women, like despite how old he gets, that are like way young. You notice that? Like he, he's literally 56 now or something, 58 maybe. Yeah. And, and all of his like female uh, counterparts are like twenty something. Well, that comes, like, with, that comes with the Scientology. Oh, gotcha. It's yeah, like that built makes sense. into the contract. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, shit, that sounds good to me. Then I might convert. There you go. Yeah, yeah I don't know if you have enough money yet, Sam. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I got to get my feet <laughs> up or whatever. Um, it's not a poor. Reason. Yeah, this movie. It, it it's like six awesome things strung together by shit. It's like there's there's a lot of good here, and there's you can sometimes tell the palm is coming through, and you can sometimes tell like these people that are good filmmakers that are behind this movie kind of like shining through, but like it just didn't know what it wanted to be, and just didn't make a lot of sense. So that leads us into: Do you have any idea what happened in this movie? Like no. if someone like right now, if you had to give a plot summary of it, aside from like I mean, I gave you the setup earlier with that short plot description. But like if your buddy was like, "Hey man, like I saw Mission Impossible. What happened at that part? Like would you be able to tell?" No, dude, I really wouldn't because I was so thrown off by the scene where he's like reliving uh, what happened with Jim's death and he's like playing it out with him while he's having coffee and essentially like accusing him and like telling how he was like uh, basically tricking all of those CIA agents the entire time. Right. And I was watching this whole thing play out in his mind. And then at the end of it, he just like brushes it off like, no, that's not possible. And then he just like ignores the entire thing. 
Right. And I look over, I'm watching this with my, my, my fiance row. And I'm like, cause she'd seen the movie. She's the one that told me to watch it. She says, this is the best movie I've ever seen. Like when I was in 96 and I watched this movie, I loved everything about it. Like, I can't understand anything that's happening in this movie. Oh, yeah. Who is the bad person? <laughs> oh yeah. Right. It's like, like, I don't even think, I don't think they knew until the very end of the movie. They're like, yeah, screw it. We're going to make Jim a bad guy. Right. I mean, it was, I mean, the, the, the whole idea is for you to keep guessing on who's the bad, who's the real bad guy and what's happening. It's a spy espionage movie. That's kind of par for the course, but like that scene where they kind of replay everything through Jim's, like Jim's mind or like his perspective. It's, it seemed like at the end of that, like you said, it was, it was thrown off like Tom Cruise, like, nah, man, that's not what happened. And then moved on. But then later in the movie, it kind of asks you to be like, Oh yeah, that was, that was fact. Like later in the movie, it treats that part as fact. So I don't know what's going on here, but uh, you've given it a lot of credit though. So I, I do Stand by in 1996 terms, solid movie across the board, solid movie. Yeah, but you know, with the twists and turns of a CIA agent or a CIA type of movie, espionage, international, world foreign affairs, I think Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and all the crazy twists and turns of that movie, and then think of all the crazy twists and turns of Mission Impossible, right? Yeah. And just how lazy the storytelling was in this movie. Like the audience has to give so much for it to make any damn sense. Yeah. And that, so, I mean, uh, I, I read a little bit too, and it makes sense that the movie is fam- famously went into production without a shooting script. So like, how, how has that happened? I don't know. You wrote that down. I, I read that here. Yeah. So that, so typically in the majority of the time movies go, you know, into production, there's pre-production, production, post-production, pre-production is the hiring of the actors, the casting, you know, the finishing of the script. So when you go in with a shooting script, that's what's given to everybody every day so they can all follow along and go through it. Um, and this movie, like, apparently they were still working on it. It, it's, it went through, like, seven <laughs> or eight that. different writers. And, and basically, De Palma just had a bunch of fun action set pieces that he wanted to, to film. Uh, and he, he was, like, basically told the screenwriters to just figure out how the hell to get from, you know, from each set piece to set piece, which is probably a large part of the reason why none of it makes any damn sense. Because... It, it appeared to be that's the case. Like when you watch the movie, that's how it feels too. It's like five different badass action set pieces strung together by a plot narrowly hanging on for dear life. What did you think of the action set piece? I mean, I got to say this is kind of the formative how to sh- like shoot an action movie. Like I feel like this movie has the most to do with the way action movies are now with a bunch of different set pieces, like um, big action sequences that were planned in advance. Yeah, uh, and the way you film them, like for instance, the, I mean the CIA uh, infiltration where he's hanging from the ceiling—that's like that is infamous and has been parodied and ripped off millions of times. Across the board, yeah, right. as it should be. I mean, it's a phenomenal scene. It makes it no damn sense, but it's a phenomenal scene. It really is. Yeah, I mean, uh, and we might get into that a little bit later, but I mean, the, the, the action in this movie is good. Like it, it, it feels real. And one thing I really like about this movie, and something we sort of talked about. Uh, last podcast was the fact that this movie it wasn't CGI that could do a lot. Uh, there's a little yeah. bit of shitty computer stuff in here, but you know, he was doing like stuff. Uh, when he fucking jumps from the train to the no. helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that happened. I don't know. Tom Cruise is pretty crazy, but um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so like there was no computers, there was no CGI. There was a bunch of like building of sets and real action. And so it felt pretty much real. And you could tell like Tom Cruise was doing all this stuff. Um, like he famously mm-hmm. does all of his own stunts. So that's, and you can feel that when you're watching it. So it feels a little more real than I think now it would just be like, I mean, apparently the mission impossible movies now, they still strive to do that because it's kind of the, the way that they've been done. But 
I appreciate that. They're trying to oh, hold, no, it's cool. hold, hold on to some sort of standard as they move forward. For sure. Let's talk about the technology and gadgets in this movie. I love it. So this is 1996. Um, and so bust out your, you know, your Mac, like your, one of your original Macs and like your, your ThinkPad windows. Yeah, pull up the net. Yeah, pull up plug the up the net. <laughs> yeah, plug up the Netscape. <laughs> uh, and then log on to, to Macs.com when you're looking for I Macs. I did already. Yeah. <laughs> I already did, man. It's international tri- like pyramid scheme selling a bunch of like <laughs> supplemental nutrition stuff oh man so if you haven't checked out their instagram page man go ahead and check that one max.com max.com is an international pyramid scheme selling like vitamin supplements and their instagram page is just full of a bunch of like old black people like like posing for the camera like portrait style it's really weird Uh, dude so you're telling me it's not an international arms dealer you're telling me that's not how i I find international arms I'm not saying I imagine that there would be some sort of cover, you know, they're not going to say like we're an international arms dealer. So yeah. perhaps yeah. Right, you got to DM that Instagram and ask them, maybe send them like Joe. 314. Yeah. Joe 314. It's job 314, dude. No twist. <laughs> he happens to see a Bible, uh, like in his, in his eye shot and then figures that out. But yeah, I mean, so there's a ton CIA, of like, <laughs> there's like hacking, there's internet use. And this is very early. I mean, very beginning of when the internet was really, I remember it was right around this time. It's the first time I ever logged on the internet. I know that because Space Jam, they, they were the first website I ever visited. That movie had a website. Oh. And so it literally came out that year. So I know like this is right around when I first knew the internet. Um, yeah, man. They had that dial up, pulled you in, AOL. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's just, it's just goofy. I mean, it's because it plays such a huge part of the movie, all like a little the hacking elements and, uh, you know, you got, you got, uh, Bing Rames plays Luther, like the hacker guy. who's actually, he's still in all of them. Uh, and he's great. He's a great character, but like, he's in all of those movies. I didn't yeah. Know he's still in them. Yeah. He's like one of the only ones that's him and Tom Cruise are still in them. That's um, good to hear. I yeah. That. I would, ch- I would check him out too. But, uh, so it's, a lot of the tech stuff doesn't make sense. Like, and maybe it did back then, but now it just seems goofy as shit. Like he emails the arms dealer through a Bible chat room. Like he, yeah, he I just, was just gets like, that I was just like max.com at Joe. Right. Like com. I don't understand how that, how <laughs> I just don't understand it. I really, I really don't. And I don't even think they did. I don't see. I don't think the writers of this movie understood the internet because it was just a new thing. So they just mm-hmm. kept like making up shit and it makes just zero sense now. And well, they because, knew that, sorry to cut you off, but they no, knew God. that, uh, when you <clears throat> are going to visit, uh, an encrypted CIA website, that you have to have it watermarked all over the screen, CIA, <laughs> confidential. And then, like, when you type in, when he types in his name, it says disavowed underneath, but his password still works. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All the information, no problem. <laughs> That's in case you don't, you're not sure if you're disavowed. You can go check yourself <laughs> out on there. Oh, like shit, that. I'm disavowed. I'm not. <laughs> Damn it. Well, I got a couple stuff. emails. Yeah, email from your boss says you're fired. Uh, yeah, it's, that's, that was something else, man. And, and it comes across so goofy now. There's some movie, I, I mean, to me, I think it's really useful when you don't use a lot of technology in your movie because then this doesn't happen. I mean, there's some movies that get away with it, but like, yeah, like the 90s are really bad with this because the, inter- the computers were starting to become a thing, um, internet, and it just comes off so goofy when they're typing on these big-ass computers like, and all this fake technological stuff, but it looks like you're watching an N64 game, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, I mean, the N64 was probably better technology than what we were seeing in that movie. <laughs> it released uh, the same year, actually. Oh, my God, man. Yeah. So yeah. there's a, if you haven't checked this out on, on YouTube, there's a, 
I guess pretty famous channel where they just watch kind of shitty movies and tear it apart for 15 minutes. Oh, yeah, and, I love that. Yeah, they did one for uh, Mission Impossible, and he had like I think every single scene with the computer, they showed like a close up of the person typing, <laughs> and like the fingers, it's not even close. He's like, why don't you just let them type out the word? But instead, like they're pushing. There's one where he like highlights the letter G and how like there's G written three times in the sentence on the screen, but they don't touch the letter G one time. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> At least have them type this. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, that's goofy. Uh, probably because none of them motherfuckers could type. I mean, that was bad yeah, when they, they had no idea what assistants doing. and secretaries typing everything. Like that, you know, like that. That's a that's a different time. I and mean, I was dealing definitely with the trains like that period between no tech and then tech like that was the weird time in between uh so it comes across as goofy for sure the, the so i did want to talk to you about the uh did you have anything else to talk about tech wise anything else goofy to you or jump well, out do you think the tech and gadgets is that kind of encompass the masks the use of the masks like the the faces <laughs> that they put on kind of like that hannibal lecter thing right. that everybody's just like oh wow that's super uh <laughs> interesting is that what the cia uses <laughs> I don't. I, I hope they, they rip off every time they rip off like another person's face. Like, and that's fucking really disconcerting. By the way, when you see one of these dudes take, yeah. Off, yeah but so the, the for those that don't know, somehow if you haven't seen any mission, so this is like so. This is in all of them too. Like, this is like at least I know the second and that's third. That's a recurring thing. Okay, they use the mask thing. It's like a it's a Mission Impossible trope. Uh, and so what it is like all the time, characters like you don't know who they really are because at any time they could pull their face off. And it ends up being like a half, like a Halloween mask. That's what's funny to me is it like they usually have a different <laughs> actor play the person, and then all of a sudden, like, like Tom Cruise reaches over and pulls off the mask, and then he's holding it. And it looks like a goofy Halloween mask I'd buy for like twenty dollars, but it's like there's That's no way Hall that would that realistic, you know? Like, and it's just <laughs> yeah. it's, like it literally looks like a freaking scream mask is dangling down, but you were just completely thought it was a different person. But so it's it's a funny Mission Impossible trope that. I, part I commit to you. I commit to you, Sam. If I find a, a Halloween mask of John Voight, I'm gonna buy it. I'm gonna send it to you. I, I accept. I would expect. I would expect to get that in the mail. It's gonna be really disconcerting thing to get in the mail, by the way. So I get like the face <laughs> of John Voight. It would look ridiculous too. There's no way it would look real uh, unless you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you it's like real to do that movie. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It might as well have been a freaking Michael Myers mask, like dangling when he pulls <laughs> it off. It's like. What the hell? Yeah, it's, that's funny. Uh, so yes, that's encompassing. No, and they get better. They get also, better. but I do think I do think the use of the stick gum as an explosive was a nice touch. That was good. Yeah, it was very James Bond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Better than a watch, right? You just like yeah, yeah. Yeah, stick and gum. You know, red, green, very simple. Can't really mess it up. That was clever. That was good, and and it, it made sense, you know, because like that's like a plastic explosive explosive type thing. Like you mix two chemicals together and stick it to something like. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, or throw yeah. it at a big, you know, uh, aquarium. Right. Yeah. Great set piece. Uh, good, that was a good little scene. There's a behind the, there's a behind the scenes thing on YouTube where you usually shoot in that scene. So that was on a oh, soundstage. Really? Oh, I yeah, gotta the, watch the, that. The yeah, I was, was on the soundstage where they did 007, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Pinewood Studios or something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's a, that was a good little scene. So there's some good camera work here. Uh, it was very, it like, had a lot of the Palma stamped on that was what was so weird about it because it was like really well shot and like really well put together, but just it didn't make sense. So I guess the script was bad really, but like at some point when you're editing this thing together, you got to be like, damn, what the fuck's going on? And we're, you're going to figure it to say that. Cause like, 
really, it really the doesn't. Editors are like, the editor's like, I'm not getting paid enough to do this. I don't know. Three to four I can't make this kill themselves while trying to put this together, I'm sure. Like, there's no way, there's no way the first guy survived. He's in that editing room probably chain smoking cigarettes, trying to figure yeah. out how to make this make sense. Uh, like I gotta put, we gotta get this Bible in the corner so you can see it because there's no reason why he would have thought of Job. It's got to be with an eye shot. <laughs> Damn it! Yep. I forgot to put a Bible in the scene. They they go shoot a pickup like later. They're like, Tom, stand here. You need to put a Bible in your eye shot. Yeah, that was that was goofy. No, I liked I liked the. Uh, I never heard of this term Dutch angles before, Sam. I assume you looked that up, but I like it. Is that yeah. now? That's is that the the scene kind of where it's looking up directly at their face, like in the restaurant, right, where he's kind of talking to the the his his contact to the CIA. No, that's a so that's like a low angle close up. But that another okay. good another good example of a, a classic De Palma technique. Yeah, he he kind of gets in the actor's shit, right? He puts the camera right yeah. beneath their chin, and you feel like you're kind of part of the conversation. And that's something he's always done. Kind of intensifies the conversation, and that's a great scene too. That scene's great. That, that is when he's uh, yeah exactly. meeting with his uh, yeah the CIA director who you think is the villain, and the guys like kind of they're, they're feeling each other out, and eventually he kind of betrays that he thinks that Tom Cruise is the mole. Uh, and the Dutch angle is where the camera, you know, usually the horizon, like the ground or the sky is, is, um, completely level. Like it's like parallel to the, your eyes, uh, Dutch angle is when you turn the camera sideways. So like the person's like coming at the corner of the screen, like they're literally like, there's a lot of this in this movie and and you may not have noticed it at first, but if you rewatch, you'll notice it. It's a Obama thing too. It just kind of makes you like like, a little disconcerted and like. Um, you know, cause usually you're watching a movie and everyone's like level, but when Dutch right. angle comes in, you're like, Whoa, I'm supposed to throw you off intentionally. So it's not like, so you get in a headache trying to follow the storyline and then they like twist and turn the right. cameras yeah. to actually yeah. get a headache watching it as well. <laughs> yeah. Before you watch this, you have to like put your head on a broom and twist around like 50 times too. <laughs> uh, that's like the most, the most, the best way to watch this is you're like completely nauseous before you watch it. Uh, so there's a bunch of good first person point of view shots too. I like the one where I don't know. This isn't the first movie that's ever done this, but I liked it when he gets in the limo to first meet with Max, and it's like him. You know, the camera is Ethan, and so the, the dialogue all comes from you, who are the camera, and they hand him like the mask, and he puts it on. Um, yeah, I don't know. It kind of makes you immersed in the story because you're when you watch these movies, you want to be the guy, right? You want to be 007. You want to be Ethan Hunt. You want to be like the handsome spy with all the cool shit and all the beautiful women. So it kind of puts you in those shoes, literally, and that was cool. Yeah, but why do they only use the point of view when you're getting a mask put on your head? Like, well, I mean, it's the, when he gets in the limbo, I don't know. I thought that was like weird how it was just that scene was the only time he did it. Yeah, it's but just one it, time. Yeah, but it was cool. I liked it, but I wish it had come back up. I don't necessarily know when. I mean, obviously, it had to be a slow type scene, but um, I don't know. That was that was an interesting choice, but there's a lot of stamps on here. I mean, there's a lot of weird stuff that was, that was cool, yeah. and I liked it. Um, they had some point. They had the point of view of him catching his sweat, right when uh, the sweat dripping off his glasses. Oh yeah, the hand uh, comes down. Yeah, yeah. Which also didn't make any sense. <laughs> like the way that he's the way that he's got his hands set up and how close he is to the ground, and then the next scene where he's somehow miraculously able to put his hand underneath his face without touching the ground and without tilting to one side. Right. right. Makes yeah. sense. It does, but whatever. No. Semantics. Yeah, yeah, semantics, logic. Who needs them in, in an action movie? Uh, nope. Yeah, Cruz does his own stunts. That's cool. I mean, you know, you watch some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. He's hanging on the, uh, he's hanging on that the, the pulley cord, and uh, he's like running, you know, 
jumping out of that glass window while the water's coming down. Uh, I like that. And he's like, apparently he's a freaking psychopath. Like he won't let, he won't let like uh, stunt guys come in and do any of the stuff. Is he, he's been doing that for the, like the entirety of his career. Yeah. I think this is like the first, I mean, maybe top gun, but I'm trying to think of an action movie that he did before this, but no, yeah, that's like his thing. Like, and, and producers hate to hear that. He doesn't strike. I was going to, yeah, of course they do. Cause it's yeah. probably a fortune to insure the guy. He broke his ankle on this most recent mission impossible. Like he almost, he, he hurts himself almost every single one because he's old. He's old did, as he shit. Almost, did he get hurt in this movie? Uh, I don't know. I didn't notice anything. So I don't think so. But this guy's when he was yeah. a little younger. He broke his ankle in the newest one. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Dude, that's, like the least, that's like the least manly way to hurt yourself doing your own stunts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my ankle. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how it Get happened. But yeah. Well, you know, and, and so you, have you seen, like, I don't know if you've seen the trailer for these new movies, but all right. So the second one's kind of goofy. Um, it, it's, uh, it was directed by John Woo, the guy that did uh, like face off. There's, you know, it's like kind of weird and action movie and stylized. Yeah. Uh, but it's 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 weird. But the third one was J.J. Abrams, and it was like has Phil Seymour Hoffman as the villain. Uh, and he's J.J. Like really, Abrams directed the third Mission Impossible. Yeah, it was his first major motion really? picture. Yeah, he was a screenwriter before yeah. that, and that's when he broke into it, uh, 2006. And I mean, that was the first one I saw in theaters, and it was good. I mean, and then the fourth one's Ghost Protocol, and that's the one that everyone thinks is the best of the of the entire series. Um, and it's got uh, that's when uh, what's the name? The guy that's in um, Hot Fuzz and uh, Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> what? The main, what is the main, he doing in that movie? He, he plays the he plays like the funny like driver pilot guy. And he's okay. fucking awesome. Like he's like he's really funny and like he's a good plays off Tom Cruise. Uh, and so that's a, that's a really good character. I'm really um, happy that I have all these to look forward to, man. As a kind of a reoccurring when we do more of these podcasts, I'm going to chime in after good. I've seen like the second and the third. So I will say real quick, going back to the stunts. So I watched with Ro like the first probably 20 minutes of Mission Impossible 2, and we ended up turning it off or something. But you climbed shows, it, yeah. there's no way that's real. It's real. Yeah, they, they, see, they CGI'd out the uh, the ropes. He was he – was, uh, he was roped in, like, uh, belayed in, like where you, you know, the belay, right. like the hooking. And all. He was belayed in, but they, uh, so the CGI does out. He was doing it. That's like his thing. Damn. I remember that literally. Well, um, I was like 11 years old when that movie came out. And I remember reading that, like in a paper that he did that. And it was like, you know, this is before the, like the internet was really, really popular. So like word of mouth was how things were spread. And yeah. you know, so he would, I remember hearing that, like he did that climb. And that was like a huge deal at the time. Cause like, that's pretty fucking epic scene. It opens with that, yes. you know, uh, and yeah, no, he didn't. He, that's it because he wanted that scene when he flips around and, and the camera like pans around. He wanted it to be him because he knew it would look goofy if it was a CGI or like a, <laughs> uh, a yeah. It's like it won't work. I have to do it, and so he begged the people to do it and he did it. So that's a classic, classic Tom Cruise story. I love that. That that actually made me respect Tom Cruise a little bit more. I no, find him to be kind of a strange guy, but he is. Uh, I can't help but like his movies. I mean, is is he really? He's just, I think he's just strange because of that. When we grew up, he had that crazy Scientology, like jumping on the Oprah cats thing, right? Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, I, exactly otherwise, I, I have think. nothing to base that. Like, Why, what that. happened to what's her name? Like his ex-wife, uh, Katie from, Holmes. No, from the first, yeah, Katie Holmes. Yeah, what about her? What do you mean? What happened to her? I mean, did, did she just like fell at the face of the earth after she like they got a divorce, and I never heard anything about her ever since. I just find that kind of weird. This is more and more proof that Scientology is real. Uh, Maybe. 
No, I don't know. I don't think like he didn't like ruin her career. Like she just honestly, I think everyone realized she was a freaking hack. But uh, I don't oh, know. Whoa. Yeah, dude, Katie Holmes terrible. Freaking hack. Yeah, she's she hack. was better in Batman than the other though. No the way. No way. Oh, dude, no, don't dude, get we on. Can't get on yeah, we can't get on this. I, I, but I wholeheartedly and completely and vehemently disagree with you. Uh, oh man, we'll talk, I can't we'll talk stand that actress. Maggie Gyllenhaal, man, she's a. Uh, I like I like Gyllenhaal. I'm a Gyllenhaal fan. Uh, Is she sisters to Jake? Yeah, really. That makes yeah. me like her even less. Wow, no. dude. <laughs> Learn a little bit about movies. You're on in the can. This isn't just some dog and pony. Hey, man, I I just enjoy watching. I, I'm you're the guy that knows all this stuff. You're the professor. What your nickname? Like I'm the inquisitive chief, sloth. Dude. I'm just a slight chief. I'm slightly interested, you know, like, okay. like most casual listeners. <laughs> okay. Okay. Got you. All right. So, so we've talked a little bit about all the, there's six total films now, the, the six ones about to come out. Um, they, they're getting better. And now their thing is like these real stunts and the, the plots are, the plots make sense because they're written by competent people, but how quaint. So this makes this movie so much like more quaint because there is no CGI. It's pretty small stakes. Like the big ending is on one train, you know. There's one helicopter. There's three characters, uh, and it, it, it definitely makes comparatively to all the movies that come out now, like the fucking Mummy and like all these crazy. I mean, all the all the Marvel movies, you know, with all like 20 different superheroes. Like, in, and this was a huge blockbuster movie, you know, or even yeah. Independence Day, right? It came out that year. Like that yeah. that movie was like, I mean, had a ton of stuff going on. This movie's pretty small, so I, yeah, I like it had. Yeah, no, I did too. I thought I. Look, I think Independence Day killed the the kind of that that technology of blowing up all those buildings was something. Even today, I, I watch that. I'm like, damn, that's pretty cool. Like you can tell, like kind of the mock size of the city now when you watch it. But like, I thought the the train and the helicopter exploding and him flying onto the train that, that was a little I don't know. It was a little hacky yeah. for me, even for 1996 standards. I feel like they could have come up with a different way to pull all that out, pull that all together. But at the same time, like they made John Voight's death, like super gruesome, which I appreciate. I appreciate like, if you're going to show a death on, on movies that you're going to actually like own up to it. So like, think about like the two biggest deaths. Do you remember how the hacker, I guess the first CIA agent, what was his yeah, name? Yeah, yeah. On the elevator, right? Uh, Did you watch that? Yeah, like, that no, guy he gets got, like impaled through the eye. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yes. Like yeah. fully like all graphic. That's the same with John Boy. He literally got yes, it is the yeah. Palma. Yeah. Right. So they really show it. They own it. I like that. Yeah, it didn't shy away. I wonder, you know, if they get away with that now. Uh, but there's definitely quite a bit of violence in this movie. Yeah. And yeah, they didn't shy away from it. It, I, the, it what the, the when he gets blasted off the helicopter and flies onto the train, it wasn't obviously it didn't look great, but also just made no sense. I mean, it, even like in action movies, like how how does a how does he catch up to the train? It's already going really fast. You know what I mean? Like he like jumps off. It doesn't make any sense. And it just takes you out of it for a second. I feel like even yeah. back then people would have been like, Oh, that was kind of crazy. But yeah. But I bet you the people that were doing the movie were like, ah, who gives a shit? No. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, you're whatever. Still there. Yeah, that worked up. Like, you know what? Yeah. He made it back onto the train. Like it worked out, whatever. We gotta, we gotta end this movie. Yeah. We don't know what's happening. We don't know who's actually real and who's actually like uh, a villain or a hero. So we're just going to like blow some shit up and then cut to credits after yep. a whip from Pink Rams. Yeah. Uh, so let's it. move into some categories. So who, like who gets, let's move into some acting categories. So who gets the most buckets in this movie? That's our category for best acting. And I, I got you a little list here. Um, and, you know, I, 
I think uh, I, you know, I'm going to give it to Tom Cruise, man. You know, this is the Same. this is the first uh, the first outing as Ethan Hunt. This is the first time he, he proved himself as a legitimate action movie star. We know he did uh, Top Gun, which is kind of action movie, but this is, I think, the the come out party for these movies. And does his own stunts. We've already discussed that. Uh, has some great some great scenes and and comes across fairly believable as the character. And I was in. I, I mean, I was I was fired up about it. And I, like he. He's not the worst part about this movie. Like he's he's perfectly solid. Like he pull he he kind of has this weird cocky. Like I feel like the character is the douchiest in this movie. Like he like a lot of times like anytime people are telling him, "Yo, man, there's no way we can do this." He's like grinning, you know, and mm-hmm. he has like the shit eating grin like the whole movie. He's very and, uh, smug. Yeah, he is he's very smug. A thing you're very familiar with. So I'd take your word on that. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, you got Cruise too. I'm, I'm all I do. I yeah, I got. I'm all in on Cruise, and I'll tell you why specifically. Because I, I personally, I haven't seen a lot of movies where John Voight has a big role in a movie, and I you could arguably say he's not. He doesn't have a huge role in this movie either. He like shows up in the beginning and he shows up at the end. I feel like what movie is John Voight ever fully in? Uh, I feel like he. I guess Anaconda. <laughs> he's in that movie a lot. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, so I, I originally, I, I got my cowboy is like a sixties, his late sixties movie with him and Dustin Hoffman. He's, he's the main character in it. Have you watched that? Midnight Cowboy? Yeah. 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 It's a, it was on uh, HBO for a while. It's a classic. It's the one where I'm walking here. That one. Like uh, where, where Dustin that Hoffman John says that? Saying that? No, or it's Dustin Hoffman. Hoffman. Yeah. So he like walks out in front of the trap. The idea is that it's, uh, uh, like a guy from like the, uh, it's kind of like a little bit of Crocodile Dundee plot, but less like less comedy and more drama. It's like Fish Out of Water. This dude is now in New York. He's like kind of like Westerny cowboy guy. Uh, so it's it's good. It's, is uh, John Boyd the Westerny cowboy guy, or is yeah. he New York? Yeah. yeah. All right, I'll have to and, check that. And Hoffman's like the the New York guy. All right, I'd like to see that. But I was originally going to go with him. I, I definitely went with Tom Cruise afterwards, specifically because I found that sleight of hand, the CD trick that, that he was ass. doing. Yeah. That was super badass, and I actually thought that that was all not CGI. I just thought it was like basic camera trick. And no, he he did it. He practiced yeah. that, and he figured it out. And he did it like on a couple takes. I found that, that seemed, super impressive. Yeah, dumb as hell, but like it's, yeah, it's, it's dumb as hell in the context of like the movie. It comes out of nowhere, and you're just it's like it takes forever. No, but, and it also could have backfired very heavily on the guy because like he bluffs him. And he throws the the CD in the trash can. Like CD could have cracked in half, and like the whole movie could have been like right. Oh, right that was right. the end of that. Risk, <laughs> risky move yeah. by Cruz there. Got the real blackjack player. Completely unnecessary. He got nothing for it. He could have just kicked his ass and taken. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That was just a, that was a cheap set piece. I mean that that was another example. I'm sure that De Palma was like, oh, he's he's a he's a suave guy. Like he even knows sleight of hand. Like you got to have a scene where he does sleight of hand. So mm-hmm. the palm was like, oh, we're going to have a scene with like a hand. Got to do it, do this and do that. And have Tom Cruise do this. Uh, that's not Is how he talks. He kind of, yeah, he kind of talks like that. Mm-hmm. Kind of talks like a Muppet doing an Italian accent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he does. I mean, it's really good. I would love to see him like, I, like I have kind of a picture of him as a Muppet directing. <laughs> I would really enjoy <laughs> that. He might. I mean, I've only seen him on YouTube. I've never seen him in person, so. Uh, no, but this is definitely, I agree with you, up-and-coming action star. He really earned the role. And, uh, yeah, you put on top him doing his own stunts and him learning the sleight of hand. You can't really beat it. He's a lot of fun in the movie, and he makes the scenes that could be goofy. He sells them. Like he, who else would really get it? Like, I mean, outside of who? I mean, who else would really have earned that role? Maybe, what's his name? Uh, uh, Vanessa Redgrave. Like, no, 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 no. Yeah, actually... 
maybe max. I, I, I like. I'm gonna jump actually, so I'm gonna wait for you to go to the next category before I throw her in there. No, go ahead. And what do you got for Max? No, I just like you know the next category. You talk about the six man woman award. I I really loved that character. I don't really know her in anything. Vanessa yeah. Redgrave, yeah. But uh, she had a couple good one liners. I really liked her character, and I like that she was a woman. Personally, I think it was it's it's she kind of reminded me of like Ar- you know the show Archer on FX. Oh yeah, she did look like, like uh, the mom. Like her, yeah. yeah, it's like the mom. She's yeah. like random. I don't. Uh, she wasn't with the CIA. I don't know if she was a bad person, a good person. Yeah, she was. She was a gun runner. She was an arms dealer. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Naturally. So. Yeah, and so that was one thing I didn't realize until after I looked up the damn plot afterwards, right? Because like it wasn't clear what her role was while watching the actual movie. Well, she's a gun runner. Yeah, she's an arms dealer. She, arm why did? Why did she? What did she want the knockless for? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like, uh, I, I, uh, ostensibly to know the people that may be undercover trying to bust her. Like that's the only thing I could think of. Right. Like she wants to know who could bust her. Like if there's like, basically if anyone tries to roll up and buy a gun, it's actually an IMF agent. She could be like, no, fuck you, dude. I guess. Awful. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. Yeah. Your guess is good as mine. I want to give one quick shout out to uh, Tom Cruise though. When he's in that old Senator makeup, it kind of like Johnny Knoxville in the dirty grandpa movie. (laughs) It does. Doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah. And I couldn't stop thinking about that, and I was just dying. Uh, he's doing like, like a southern accent, and I was just imagining him like the the jackass, like and riding like a shopping cart down some stairs or something. They but, have like the most the most incredible uh, mask. Like the people that make the masks uh, are top notch, right? Yeah, you pull yeah. them off, and you have no idea who actually is underneath, right? And when you put on some senator makeup, you look like Johnny Knoxville and Dirty Grandpa. <laughs> I love that. For all we know, Johnny Knoxville could have been in that character. We don't know. He could have been doing early early prep for for Dirty Grandpa. Maybe. Uh, I mean, I'm maybe. sure he was trying to be Tom Cruise's stunt double. I'm sure. Yeah. He would have been a good hire. Uh, Six-man award. You, I, a good pick. Yeah, she was good and um, made the most of her limited screen time, which is a classic six-man type award. I really liked the Henry Zerny as Gene Kittredge, the CIA guy, like the who you think is the villain but really ends up being a good guy. Um, uh, good guy is kind of a, uh, it's a, I don't know. I think that's a little much. Give him good guy, but yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not like a bad guy. He's just doing his job. He's just doing his job. Yeah, he's he's, he's not a villain. Um, I mean, in the traditional sense, I guess he was good, man. I, he had like kind of a like he just had so many like hard boiled lines. I loved it, and he was always giving shit to like his his like subordinate. Do you notice that? Oh yeah. man, what was his subordinate's names? Like Davis or something. Oh man, his word is name is something like that, and, he, and it, it was it'd always be like he, he'd always be like this uh, Davis, his subordinate would be like, "Well, sir, what if we do this?" And he's like, "Shut up, Davis!" Like it was just like a classic, like hard boiled boss that gives shit to his. Uh, it, was, it reminded me of uh, South Park when he's like, "And Johnson, go fuck yourself!" Like that, that's what it reminded me of. I think his name was Don Low. I have Don Low down here. Maybe Don Low. Yeah, it started with a D, and it, I, I just remember like laughing. If you watch it again, you'll notice he's like a total asshole to him in like every single way. And uh, his underling, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. Barnes. Barnes was his right hand man name. Barnes. Yeah, that's a good right hand man name. Uh, Barnes. Sure. Exactly. Yeah, it was like the Simpsons, basically. Like, isn't that the Simpsons? What's the evil guy's that's right hand man? That's Burns. Burns. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but like there's one part where like the guy that was with CIA after they steal, after Ethan Hunt and crew steals the, uh, the, the tape or whatever, 
the Nyquist. And then they're, they figure out this guy kind of fucked up, you know, the guy that was supposed to be there that like was throwing up uh, mm-hmm. and they have him like, and, and the guy's like, what do you want us to do about him? And, and uh, the CIA like boss is like, I want him manning a radar tower in Alaska by the end of the day, just mail him his clothes. And there's just a badass like, fuck you line. I loved it. I like laughed out loud when he said that. Just you so know, hard boiled, dude. That's it. It didn't actually hit me until just now, and this might be a coincidence, but in Scarface, Al Pacino's character says something very similar. He's like, I have such a good lawyer. You're going to be working in Alaska, so dress warm. There's another De Palma. I don't, I don't know. De Palma might have something about Alaska in his maybe movies so. where he likes to be referenced. Yeah, maybe so. Or yeah. he just like doesn't know much about Alaska, and he thinks it's like the abyss, like there's nothing there. That's yeah. where people have to go to get away. It's like the wall in, uh, in the Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I love it. I love it. Honorable mention, by the way, to freaking uh, Emilio Estevez as Jack Harmon, the hacker at the beginning who dies gruesomely in the elevator, comes in, Mighty Doug coach, and I'm just like, yeah. what the hell? Yeah, that's what he was. Um, yeah, yep, that's exactly. Yeah. What he was I was asking, I was like, who is this dude? I yeah, know man. exactly who this is. Emilio Estevez, man. And, and that, bothered, that bugs me that I didn't place that right away. Mm. Awesome trivia. He was cast in this role I and mean, completely successfully, even now, as a character that was going to die early. But uh, De Palma cast him because he was big at the time because he wanted to surprise the audience when he died. So, like, the idea was he shows up <laughs> and you're like, oh, shit, like, this, I know this guy. And then he dies early and like, yeah. oh, shit, anyone could die. Like, kind of trips you out. And so you think anyone yeah. could die at that point. And it, and it worked even now, like, even though, like, hilariously, after this movie, he did nothing. Like he, his, his career completely tanked, and so it, well, he, at least he was famous at the time, like when this was shot, like released. But then right after that, he was like nobody. Well, at least he got in that that classic line, "Asta lasagna." Don't, Don't get, get any Anya. Yes, yeah. I loved it. Asta lasagna. Don't get any Anya. Some some yelling <laughs> scenes in here is incredible. My team is oh, dead. Dude. They are dead. Like he's got so they're all dead. dead. They're all dead. My team, my team is dead. The listen's gone. They knew we were coming, man. They knew we were coming, and the disc is gone. Are you intact? The disc is gone. Did you do you read me? The list is in the open. Nah, man. When he when he uh, hooks the helicopter to the train, he just turns around and fucking Hulk screams right at the guy. <laughs> like, ah! And then he like gets kicked off the train. He almost falls off and dies. But he got that yelling, and it was really intense. Uh, really got me worked up. The best, dude. He has some serious, yeah. Uh, yeah he has some serious yelling scenes. Some, uh, some, <laughs> some we are DiCaprio overacting a little bit, but, but yeah. still, uh, you know. So kind of I mean, that's who I'm going to give that award. But he, but it works. You know, it's a little bit in excess. But he uh, he has a bunch of <laughs> he has he has, he I'm counted how many times he yelled, "My team is dead." It's like five. <laughs> Uh, and it, it, he yells it twice to the guy on the phone, and he yells it two more times to the chick that shows up later to the safe house. I thought it was hilarious. Like she's like right in his face, and he's like, "They're dead. You hear me? My team is dead." Like he does it again. And I'm like, "Dude, we just heard you say that. Like, we get it, you know." But I, it was just it was just funny to hear him repeat it over and over. He had Did you find it weird? Did you find it weird that 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 woman is? The, the French girl, right? That, that's John Voight's wife. Yes, really weird. Yeah, I didn't twenty-five years younger. Like, <laughs> it's so weird. Voight, too, like, they, had to, they had to establish it too, right? There's like a the quote in the beginning of it's like, hey, "Hey, take it easy on my wife's coffee." <laughs> don't <laughs> don't put Johnson in my wife's box, Tom. Yeah, he's basically like knowing he's about to get cuffed, dude. Like, yep. Voight is for sure about to get cuffed. We all know it. Mm. Yeah. 
Uh, that, that was weird. And, you know, I, I Boyd, you know, used to be a handsome guy. Like he's obviously old in this movie, but he was like a classically like sixties, handsome guy. And I could get it old, you know, old successful agent, young trophy. I can kind of get it, but they didn't even do that. They kind of did it like they were legitimately in love. And so that was kind of weird, but, Whatever. Were they? I mean, he shot her at the end. Like, well, yeah, for no, no reason whatsoever either. Guess, like, yeah. out of the two people, like, for him to shoot, he decided to shoot her, and then he got jumped by Tom Cruise. Like, yeah. I don't the, know. I don't know. We got, another five movie, we got another five movies to make. You can't shoot him first. Right, yeah. They, yeah, they, they knew. They knew the, the uh, cash cow they had on their hands. Mm. Um, so, uh, like, so you, you give DiCaprio overacting award to Tom Cruise? I do for the uh, for the my team is dead. All for the six or seven of those. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, even I do though John he's the best Boyd. in the movie, who do you get? You give John Voight. I do John, what do you got? John Voight. The fake death scene, man, where he where he like where he like first off the gun pointed right at the camera, <laughs> shoots him in the stomach somehow, like he had his glasses on his chest, <laughs> and then like the scene where you're watching him like break the 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 blood packet. He's like, oh, oh, oh. and they just like <laughs> lower the railing. Yeah. And he falls over and dies. Dude, that would suck that to fall off that railing. Like that would hurt. Like he belly flops too. I remember yeah, into like freezing cold water in Prague, like in a trench coat. Like the fact that he didn't drown is astounding. It's like, did you really have to do that, boy? You know, like if if you got the video and the blood, like I guess he had to disappear. I guess he had to like disappear away from so that way that. Uh, Ethan couldn't run up on him and find a dead body and realize he's not dead. But yeah, that was that was definitely goofy. Uh, yeah. Overacting death scene for sure. <laughs> not a lot of those these days. <laughs> I also kind of love uh, kind of love Gene Reno as Franz Krieger, uh, the the pilot slash. Pilot. Also weird that he like. What are the odds that Cruz would recruit him to be on his team if he happened to be one of the double cross guys? I dude, I got completely lost in him finding those two people, Sam. I don't know where they came from. The, you're talking about the Luther and then yeah. Franz, like his team he puts together. Yes. He, he searches the database, you know, like the, apparently he still had full access to the IMF agent database. And Actually. he looked for all the agents that had been disavowed. And what, their address was there? And they were just like chilling at home? I don't know how he contacted them. They just cut to them on the train. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess when you get disavowed, you're not like a criminal necessarily. You just can't be an agent anymore. So you're just mm-hmm. chilling, doing some other job. Most of them obviously become illegitimate because the only skills they have are doing like evil shit. Yeah. So they, yeah. what else is there to do besides break into Langley? Right. Yeah, exactly. Hell, you chilling. You set yourself out. up. They need to reexamine that disavowed system. Like they might <laughs> want to put those people in jail or something. A lot of recidivists <laughs> in the disavowed yeah, system. The in the ass, yeah. A lot of recidivists. Yeah. They go right back to life of crime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a lot of good criminal justice system there, IMF. Um, yeah, yeah. That, so that, that was how, like, but, but I thought it was crazy. Like Luther, whatever he needed a hacker. Like, you know, I get that, mm-hmm. but then he happens to choose mm-hmm. of all the disavowed agencies, he was like muscle slash pilot, which I'm sure like dime a dozen, right? I, I feel like the, the Franz guy, there's a million of those guys. And he chooses the one guy that happened to be part of Voight's plan, right? Like Voight, yeah, yeah. Voight had him like hit stab and help him do the original double cross. And, and and this isn't a situation where Voight like planned for these guys to reach out to Ethan after the fact, but like, Ethan found these guys and personally reached out to him. Or maybe it was, I guess maybe it could have been Voight's wife, right? Claire, maybe she kind of facilitated that. Cause was she in on it? I don't know, dude. What the hell? Happened? I, I never, I thought she was in on it until he shot her. 
Like, I swear to God, Sam, I thought that she was setting this whole thing up and she was flirting with him and trying to lure him into it. And then at the end, she seemed kind of conflicted about taking the money. And then he shot her in the stomach and I guess she died. I don't know. You didn't see her the rest of the time in the movie. Like, it was over. Like, I don't, I don't, I didn't understand her character at all. All I knew is that she didn't make good coffee. Like, that's all I got. They need a cappuccino machine there in IMF in the safe house. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. They all like laughed together. That was a really funny scene. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think she, I think, I think she maybe had a change of heart at the end there because like she'd been fucking with him the whole time. But then I think they banged. Like, didn't they like they had like a scene it made where, out? Yeah, but I don't well, know. at some point, like he touched her hand and like went up, come, came, like walked up on her, which was in a sleeping bag, and then it cut. And I couldn't tell if that was supposed to be they had sex or what. But then Voight has that line where he tasted the goods later, you know, and he's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that was weird. It was like, yeah, you're married to her. Goods. Yeah, I was <laughs> like. Whatever, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, you can't think too far. The fact that they that that Marcellus Wallace is in the movie is just is, he's in all of them too. Yeah, I, I love that man. Yeah, he's great. Uh, Luther's great too. He, he owns every scene he's in. It's I love the miscasting of this big burly guy as the hacker. Like it, it makes you know it's it's interesting and fun. And he's definitely he's really funny in all the rest of them too. He like, delivers a lot of the good comic relief lines. Uh, yeah, he's always the guy in the van though. It's like just find the van and blow the van up, you know. Like, <laughs> it's a safe place to be, man. Look at the one weird unmarked van with a satellite on top next to where all the shit's going down. No. Blow that shit up. Don't look in that van. Uh, so we're looking at ISO play now. It's the single greatest scene. This time I decided to go not active scene. I just wanted to look at just the best scene of the movie, the most rewatchable scene. So I got five nominations. You can write one in if you want, Steve. Uh, first of all, I got the opening heist mission in Prague, which is the double cross of the original IMF team. Uh, second scene is the dinner in the fish aquarium restaurant in Prague where Ethan is the mole and the whole talk with Kittredge uh, and the initial double cross from the CIA. Then third, the break into the CIA headquarters at Langley vault to get the undercover agent list uh, with the repelling scene. The fourth is Jim and Ethan get coffee. We count the opening scene through Jim's eyes where Jim reveals himself as the mole or whatever. We still don't actually know what happened. And then the fifth scene is the entire train ending action sequence. Ethan's on the roof of the train. He's fighting Jim and the helicopter flies in a tunnel and there's some shit going on in the cabin. Cause they're trying to like find out where Max is and mm. a bunch of stuff going on there. Yeah, it's a big, it's a busy scene. He's like getting about to get decapitated by like some incredible helicopter flying right you know, in, yeah. in that tunnel. And he's like pushing <laughs> the blades down to like get his neck. Yeah. Yeah. That was, a, that was intense, dude. I was, uh, yeah. I, I was, I was like legit fearing for my boy Ethan's life at that point. And I, even though I know there's five other movies, like that was, uh, that was intense. Those blades. Yeah. But, yeah. So which, what do you got? What do you got? The, what's your single greatest scene? I said play scene. So personally, I like when he goes back to the safe house, even though I just want to back up real quick about going back to the safe house. You write one you in? Find, I did. I, I, I'm, I'm putting okay. one in. Okay, I just wanted to make sure it wasn't one of these. Okay, go ahead. No, no, no. So it's him yeah. reaching out to Max, right? Like putting yeah. putting together that whole crazy storyline and going through all those chat chat rooms and then sending the exact same message out in every different language that he could speak to this person. Quoting, if I may, with kings and counselors of the earth who built for themselves places now lying in ruins. I found that to be an extremely interesting scene. And you see him slowly get tired <laughs> as he continually types, types and types in different languages. Yeah, it's my like, boy, he's not used to typing, you know. Like, no. This is, this is <laughs> backbreaking work on this guy. 
Like, <laughs> he looked like he like just got beat up or something. Like he had been typing for 15 hours or something in various languages. He typed like, right, yeah. like a two sentence email. Yeah. And, and then like taking an Adderall and taking written a whole paper in the middle of the night. Right at the moment yeah. where he's about to pass out, he can't handle it anymore. He gets a response back from Max asking who he is to meet him. I think it's a good scene. I like it. Uh, the all if a close second, the one that you put up there is the dinner at fish aquarium restaurant scene, <clears throat> mostly because I, uh, am just astounded by how much water fell out of that tank and just flooded the entire restaurant. And he was able to, you know, run out of the window. They also killed a guy. I don't know if any, that guy that gets blown out of the window when the, uh, when the gum explosive goes off, nobody really gives him any attention. Yeah, but that guy. Yeah, they didn't even killed that guy. Tough break for that guy. Like, was he? He's just like a server. He's a waiter. He's just like on his day. He's working on his day off. And he got killed by it. Yeah, whatever. You know, uh, collateral damage with yeah. uh, with IMF. Yeah. Now it's time to prove that I'm not guilty. <laughs> he like unwittingly commits another crime and proving that he's not a criminal. Yeah, I mean that that seems good. You know, it's got the tat a tat between Ethan. It's got the slow build of like at first you think they're on the same side, and slowly but surely he figures out that. You know that the, the money got wired to his parents, like, and he, and so the guy's trying to figure out why that Ethan's parents have money suddenly, and then he's got this, uh, you know, the slow build of like, wait a minute, they're actually suspecting me because I am the only one alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's uh, that was that was a good little scene, and and I enjoyed it. And of course, the setting was cool. Like it, the idea is it's a, this restaurant, it's like a fish restaurant, but like basically there's a, aquariums all around, it, including the roof. Like they're all above <laughs> you, like. You've got to be a breach of health code, right? But like all above your the ceiling is an aquarium. So, uh, the you know, once he blows the shit out of it, like all the water comes down, he runs out in a parade. Pretty cool, pretty cool scene. I, 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 those are the types of scenes where I really want to be in like a fly on the wall when somebody's like, all right, so we need a scene for where this, this interaction is going to go down. Like, I got an idea. Hey, what do you got, Jim? Like, <laughs> I, I think it should be in. So we're in Prague, right? It's like, yeah. And it's like the middle of the night, almost morning. Yeah. Okay. So let's put them in uh, like an aquarium seafood restaurant. Okay. But stay with me. Stay with me. Okay. The whole, all the walls are, are aquariums filled with water, two floors of them. And all the, all the walls are also made of glass. Okay. There's no, there's no hardwood. There's no cement, nothing like that. It's an entire glass restaurant full of water. That's where we're going to have the scene. I love it. I like it. I like CD producer voice. I like it. I like that. Put Tom in there and blow the shit out of the glass, and then we'll have a we'll have a scene there. It makes a lot. Of, hey, a lot of money. You, you remember you remember the the gum that he had? He's gonna take the gum. He's gonna throw it at the aquarium, and he's gonna run oh, out. Oh yeah, that sounds badass. Yeah, <laughs> they'll never yeah. see it coming. Well, also, what? Why is this nice fish restaurant open at like three o'clock in the morning? I don't know. So why are there patrons there? Like, well, what, all the patrons are other IMF. Uh, not all of them, though. There's a, it seemed like there was, I mean, it's a full it's restaurant. Just not, it, was just, it was just a bunch of agents and that one waiter that got killed. Um, yeah, maybe so. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, whatever. I guess it's like a, a hideout. But, I mean, this is what I'm talking about, though. This, I feel like that scene, the setting of the scene and the explosion was planned before they figured out why they were going to be there. Like, I, that's what <laughs> I'm saying. Is it was a bunch of set pieces like that, action it's set pieces planned. Yeah. Like, so I, I don't even think, I think it was the reverse. I don't think they, we're trying to figure out where they were going to have that conversation. I think they were trying to figure out what conversation was going to happen while they blew that aquarium up. But <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a whole nother, you know, that's, I mean, that's, that's the problem with this plot. My pick is the break into CIHQ of Langley. I mean, that, that's a great yeah, fucking scene, man. Like sure. I think it, it, it coins the whole like narration over showing, you know, the, the different steps that are going to be taken to complete the mission. 
inside the black vault, there are three systems operating whenever the technician is out of the room. The first is sound sensitive. Anything above a whisper sets it off. The second system detects any increase in temperature. Even the body heat of an unauthorized person in the room will trigger it if the temperature rises just a single degree. Now that temperature is controlled by the air conditioning coming in through an overhead duct 30 feet above the floor. That vent is guarded by a laser net. The third system is on the floor and is pressure sensitive. Like it's got Tom Cruise in the background, like narrating, telling his team how they're going to get do it. This this room has like three different securities on it, like a hearing one, like a temperature one, and then like a like lasers. And yep. Then, and then a touch one too, like if something can't touch the floor. Even like a drop, it establishes that like freaking condensation falling on the floor will yeah. set it off. Obviously, to set up the sweat thing later. Right. But not uh, one camera. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They got all the other shit, dude. They can't afford a camera. <laughs> camera. There's yeah. like one entry into this entire thing and right. it's the air duct and they, they put like one laser there that can be deflected with a mirror. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think there is a cam. I think the, there is a camera because they know he did it right after. But like, it, they know he did it. Well, oh, that's true, but I don't know if they had video of him doing it though. Yeah, that doesn't matter. He knew they were going to know it was him right after he did it. He just had to do it. Like, yeah. Because, you know, the idea is one, they can't catch him. He's like super good at hiding and playing side or whatever. Yeah, he's but, a ghost. You know, you got the you got the planning on the train. Love that. Love the the Luther. He's like, uh, how the hell are we going to do this? And he and he's like, Luther, it's much worse than you think. Like, I just love that. Like, I love the, the funny witty dialogue about how hard it's going to be. Yeah. And and, uh, and then when he goes in there, he's got Franz in the air duct. You got this cool scene of the chick, like you know, squirting the vomit juice and the guy's coffee and get putting get the guy that's normally supposed to be in this room and disposing of him and then put you know then you got like the stuff in the air duct you got him lowering down and then you got the rat comes in with to, to affect the guy holding the rope it's just all good stuff like it's just classic yeah. tension building like that was De Palma like that was so De Palma the whole time and and I'm, you know that was the that's that's just good filmmaking man that was like that's how you shoot an action scene like I was yeah. still fully in knowing how it goes like fully into it while it was going on. And I remember thinking like, this is badass. Like this. Hey, you're holding your breath. You're holding your breath the entire yeah. time. Yeah, it's, it's, like really a minute, it's a 10 minute scene. It's not short. Yeah, it's long. And they, 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 they draw it out. There's not much dialogue. And I love it. Yeah. I and mean, I think that scene holds up and I think it will forever. Like there's going to be no point where that scene isn't awesome. No, uh, I agree. So it does have, I mean, it does have that going for it, right? It has a classic action movie scene that, that will never, you know, should go in the vault. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that to me is the single greatest scene, but, Really, all the action set pieces are worth watching. Yeah, I like, like you can find them all on YouTube. Just just watch the action parts. Don't care about the plot. Mission Impossible. I, well, I don't think that they anybody as they're making the movie cared about the plot. They're all just like, ah, nobody's gonna pay attention to this later. I agree. I agree. Let's just uh, put the, just make sure that you have the we put a, a mouse in the ventilation system to kind of trip up the entire like the the entire plan was thrown off by a rat. Why are you picking the one guy with a fucking cold too? Like that guy shows up and he's got a cough. Yeah, right. He's be like, "All right, dude, I'm gonna go pick another disavow guy, like who's not sick, in a very like noise sensitive, like he like sneezes, and then Cruz is like, "All right, from now on, you can't make any noise." And it's like, "Oh, well, you know, a sneeze is involuntary, Ethan. Like <laughs> it wasn't like he did that, like yelled it. He didn't fake a sneeze just to see what would happen." 
Also, a rat is crawling on me right now, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that was, but that's good. Good scene. All right, what's your most quotable quote? You can write one in too if you don't like these. We'll go through them. We'll just, we'll just quote our favorite quote. Yeah, for sure. It's Oscar Lasagna. Don't get any on you. Yeah, that's good. Uh-huh. You got five seconds. Don't shoot it. Referring to the gum. When he has He's the Q branch guy. Harmon, uh, Emilio Estevez is the, the Q branch, like gadget guy. Yeah. I like, yeah, that's, that's the best quote, man. I mean, honestly, like, Jack Harmon, Emilio Estevez comes in the middle, in the beginning of the movie, just like throws nine innings of shutout baseball and then gets fucking killed by a thing in an elevator. Like, he's doing incredible. <laughs> like, he pitches a perfect game in like 15 minutes. Um, so, that, yeah, he's the best. He was really good. And I was shocked when he died. I got a call. I got another one. Hold on. What you got? Uh, let's see here. This is from Max, right? So he's saying, my lawyers are going to have a field day with this entrapment, judicial conflict. So you Kittredge, well, maybe we'll have to leave. We'll just leave the courts out of this one. He's like, I am sure we can find something we all need. I love that. They're just like reaffirming that the CIA is corrupt as shit and we'll work with anybody. Yeah. And in and, and, and true form of her character, you know, trying to squirm her way out of it by, yeah. Like giving it more valuable, more valuable information. Yeah, that was good within character. Like that it's line. Animidity. It's like a warm blanket. That's yeah, that was good. Group. Yeah, she too. She every line she has is super seedy and classic gun runner. Like, but 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 different too. Like the old lady, like you said, it was an interesting casting and it wasn't classic like for that type of character. So it was good in that sense. No, but I I bet you money that there's somewhere in there. Archer, the character from Archer, the mom, is based off of that one. Yeah, well, the, the character from Archer, yeah, maybe, yeah, probably. But the, the character from Archer is based off the real actress. Like, she looks exactly like that, the voice wow. actress. And she's in uh, Arrested Development. She plays the mom in Arrested Development. I've never watched one episode of Arrested oh, Development. What? It's good. Uh, so it's really good. It's funny. And the character, the mom from Archer, has a lot of the mom from Arrested Development in it. So okay. that, I mean, that's what they did. They basically cast the same character. Uh, yeah, but no, I could see that. Did you have an overacting award? Did you already give that? I gave it to John Boyd for falling off. That's right. That's right. That's right. Big death. Boyd. Classic Boyd. All right, let's move into a film nerd segment. I just wanted to talk about how this blows my mind, how both awesome this movie is and how terrible it is. So you got De Palma directing, award-winning director nominated for multiple Oscars of Carrie, the the classic Stephen King, uh, Untouchables, Scarface, Body Double, and Carlito's Way. He he certainly goes with campy... Um, violent crime movies, but he, you know, he's been not. This is a guy that was with Scorsese. Like this is like a, for sure, know, him Scorsese. You got like William Friedkin of The Exorcist, like Spielberg, George Lucas. All these guys were hanging out and, and innovating movies in the seventies. Uh, so this is, you know, this is a classic. This is a classic director. This is like the guy that directs There Will Be Blood, like suddenly doing an action movie. Like you know, maybe not as drastic as that, but you know, the bomb was yeah. good. Um, the script was written by David Coab who were co-written in his Jurassic Park, Panic Room, Carly's Way, Spider-Man, Premium Rush. He just writes like fun action movies. Uh, and then Robert Town, which I was completely shocked to learn. I, as I've read, read a lot about screenwriting and just the history of it and the various people. And he's like the granddaddy, man. He's like the dude who kind of innovated the idea of it. He did like Bonnie and Clyde, Chinatown, considered the best script ever, Shampoo with Warren Beatty, Last Detail, Jack Nicholson. These are all late 60s, 70s movies, all Oscar nominated. He's won a couple of them. Like he's like the dude, you know. He wrote like, the, the, the he wrote the script for Mission Impossible. Yeah, co-wrote it. Yeah, like wow. they brought him. I know. Like he's <sighs> the guy. Like it, like the MVP screenwriter. They brought him in because the script didn't make any damn sense, and he couldn't even fix it. I guess. So that's what I'm saying. You got like the expert at Pulpy Entertainment in De Palma, 
They like the Beethoven of scripts with Robert Town. Uh, and then you turn in a weird convoluted movie. It just, it's weird. It just, it's the first time I've ever seen like the right pieces in place and the movie just turned out really bad. Not bad, not really bad, but weirdly bad, right? Yeah. I mean, it might've been something that just kind of went over both of our heads, man. I mean, it might've been where Robert and David and Brian De Palma all got together and they're like, all right, look, we all need one of these action movies in our arsenal, right? We haven't done one in a while, but I don't know if Brian De Palma's really ever done a movie like this before up until Mission Impossible. So they were just like, eh, like, let's not overthink this. Like, let's just, let's just put all our effort into making a good action movie that will stand the test of time. Like a fun movie. It's a fun movie. It's a fun movie. And I mean, you can't, if you, if you look at it just like that, you can't really say that they didn't deliver. Yeah, it's a little boring at parts. When the plot tries to force itself on you, I feel like it's a little boring. Like, no, I mean, it's fun. And that's what's good about the more recent ones in the series is that it understands what it is. It understands that it is a fun action movie. And it doesn't doesn't try to get too intelligent, um, you know, when it doesn't need to be. But I don't know. I I just couldn't believe that those people were involved, right? Like, when I looked this up, I could not believe to see Robert Towns' name. That, That was bizarre to me. Like, completely shocked me. Uh, especially because like that's the huge part about this that isn't good is how it doesn't make sense uh and he's the classic guy that comes and makes movies make sense but i don't know hey try again and they tried again and again and again maybe this is when he started to get alzheimer's you know like he, he didn't really know what the hell's going on because he's kind of old at this point i mean he, he was writing movies in the 60s and this is like 96 chinatown is widely considered the best script ever yeah it is yeah interesting yeah, I mean, it's uh. Have you seen? Yeah, check it out. It's it's a. Uh, I mean, it's a classic. I've seen Big Trouble in Little China. Is it similar? <laughs> no, <dude>. no, <laughs> no. Chinatown's the Jack Nicholson like crime noir. Oh, okay. well, hang on, dude. I don't know. I mean, you, you know, you came at me with a what could appear to be a joke. But I don't know. I'm just hey, that, that was a joke. That was Kurt Russell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh It's actually the prequel to uh, that uh, Kurt Russell movie where he's dating a uh, mermaid. Chinatown is. <laughs> Uh, splash yeah so if you could replace any character with Nicolas Cage male or female which one would that be and why so I gave this one a lot of thought and I decided to go with Don Lau the the person in charge of the CIA computer in the private room uh the thought of Nicolas Cage (laughs) getting his his coffee spiked by a pen and getting massive diarrhea and then having to like go in to this like ridiculous room with one single computer in the middle of it. What's his job? I don't know. All I can think of though is like whatever his job was, it should Nicolas Cage could do it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure. In a suit, and he like doesn't actually say anything. His only line is, Oh my god, at the very end. <laughs> No, he says his name a couple times. Remember when he like lo- has to log into the room or whatever? He's like, imagine oh, Cage. Yeah. He's like, Jack Donlow. Anytime he has to get into the room, he says it all Nicholas Cagey. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Imagine his surprise too. Like when he like you just like the, when he realizes he's been had, he runs into the room and realizes that there's a uh, the knife in the the uh, stuck in the desk. Yeah, he'd, be, he'd be surprised uh, as shit. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, I, I would like him to be the long-haired blonde henchman of Max um, with the long blonde hair that like rides in the, oh, the, yeah. mean mug, the mean mugs even when he gets in the elevator or the uh, limo and then like just randomly walks around and has no lines but just mean mugs everybody and stands like menacingly. Like I just love that guy. 
Uh, and I just yeah. like, I see Nicolas Cage in the background with long hair. Like basically his character in Con Air, but just standing in the background, like me mugging everybody. is funny. Not saying anything. Right, right. Either he has to have a lot of talking or not to me. Like you can't have <laughs> mid cage. You got to go full cage or like keep him in a cage. Nicolas Cage is a henchman. Yeah. Oh man, that's the best. That would be early cage too. That'd be, you know, right before Con Air, like right before um, Face Off, maybe the same year as Face Off. So, you know, you might be able to cast him in a role like that. I mean, well, I, I don't know if you saw this on IMDb. I was going through, I love seeing what other actors were, had been offered the part. George Clooney was offered the part of Ethan Hunt. Yeah, let's do some casting what is. Who else you got? Yeah, so George Clooney was offered, right? Uh, okay. But he ended up turning it down for one fine day. Uh, Bruce Willis, John Travolta. Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage is Ethan Hunt. Come on. I didn't realize. I didn't know he was offered the role. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Mel Gibson. And who's Ralph Fiennes? Uh, Ray Fiennes. He's the guy in, uh, he plays Voldemort. He's in Red uh, Dragon. Oh my um, God. He's in, in Bruges. Uh, he was like, he was, he was up for James Bond, honestly. Like he was a, a, heart, yeah. a British heartthrob in the nineties. Yeah. I could see that, but it would have been way more serious. Like, yeah, that'd have been here. Yeah, Mel Gibson would have been okay. No, Mel Gibson would have been good. Yeah, he could pull yeah. off like the cocky. John Travolta. I don't like John Travolta. No way, dude. No way. Has John Travolta ever done an action movie? Face Off. Yeah, with oh, Cage. Yeah. Yeah. But it was goofy, and I mean, it was he, goofy. You know, he's good in like Saturday Night Fever. He's a good dancer. George Clooney like, would have done well in this movie. Yeah, yeah, he would have. He would have. Because I mean, I'm just thinking Ocean. This is basically like Ocean's Eleven, but like more action movie. I mean, but it's yeah. got like the whole planning. I could just hear Clooney's voice doing the voiceover, like about the the plot to sneak into Langley. You, know, you can just hear it in your head. He just has one of those voices. Uh, Clooney would be good. I think the movie's kind of the same. I think it's totally different if, if Cage does it, obviously. And if Bruce Willis does it, to me, it'd just be a ripoff of Die Hard. Yeah, absolutely. No question. Like, he would just be John McClane <laughs> in this movie, you know? I and love like, the name. John McClane is such a good name. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. It really is. Great cop name. Like that yeah. guy's definitely a cop. Like he only had one thing he could do in his life. A cop from Chicago. Uh, all right. So final thoughts and overall score. Let's give one to four Barnes. Can you adjust my points? Are they on fire? What do you give? 1996's Tom Cruise's Mission Impossible Woman. Man, three, three, three Barnes. Yeah, you give it three. Okay. Okay. What are your final thoughts on? I'm just I'm going at this 1996. Man, you got to pay homage. This is a movie. This is a classic pillar of American action film. And I think a lot of future action movies have been kind of they're on the on the shoulders of Mission Impossible. You know, like you said, it's got some of the most iconic music and scenes that are going to stand the test of time much longer than 2018. It's going to go on for a long time. They're probably going to pull out another. They're probably going to go for 10 movies. I imagine they're already at six. So anything that's been able to to stay in the, the ether for this long is deserves three barns. It, it does have staying power. The music was from the show though. So I can't really give the movie credit for it. Classic American action movie, but you hadn't seen it, right? No, I hadn't. Yeah. I mean, I, I would honestly love to know how many people have actually seen this. I have, I remember specifically renting it. Cause I had this movie passed to blockbuster and I was like, Oh, this is a classic movie. You have to see this. And I just hadn't seen it when it came out and I rented it and watched it. And I was like, Oh, that was, that was okay. But at the time I thought that all the rest of them were better because they're more fun. You know, this one tries to be a little too serious. Well, they had to set the stage, man. I mean, that's, it's tough coming out of the gates and having to set the, the entire tone for six movies. It's easy to play off of that stuff. You've already done a lot of the grunt work. 
told the story, the backstory, you've developed the character. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I yeah, I understand it is like the first of the series and everything, but I just don't know if everyone's like everyone knows, you know, Spider Man rips off the ceiling scene, like the hanging, you know, blood dripping part. There's a million like people on ceilings, like sweat dripping, not alerting people, kind of rip offs, but. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's definitely good. I, I give it two and a half. I like the action scenes are the two and a half, like the plots, like the, the one and a half taken away because it really just doesn't make any sense. But the, but the action sequences are great and there's a lot to like here, but it's just not good. You know, it's just not like if someone asks these mission impossible good. I'd be like, no. Right. Like to me, yeah. I can't get something three barns if it's not good. No, you got to be a little bit more specific with your response. If you're right. asked, is it good or not? I'd say no. Right. <laughs> but but I mean, I'd still recommend someone to watch it. You know, I'd sure. still say, hey, you should watch it. Yeah, it's got like a classic action movie scenes. You know, it's, you know, like uh, his whole team is dead. His whole team is dead. And it, you know, it's got, it's got a lot going on for it. But, you know, so if I'm, at, if I'm at the local Kmart and I call you and I say, hey, Sam, this uh, Mission Impossible is on Blu ray. Should I buy yeah. it? Uh, no, no, uh, no. I'm going to happen to catch on stars, which is exactly what I did. I watched it on stars. I like that it's on stars. I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. I know. Uh, so, I, I, you know, I, it goes in my bag of, like, when I have kids, like, I will show my kids this at some point. Like, I'm like, you need to see this. Like, it's okay. I, I, don't, I wouldn't tell them, like, what I thought of it before, but I would show it to them. That's like a movie you, you kind of have to know. You kind of have to know the music, the context. Like, you should see the scene. You know, when he's coming down from the ceiling, you need to see that to understand modern action movies. Sam, do you know how to say the movie Mission Impossible in Spanish? Um, Mission Impossible. Very good. Very good. Very yeah. good. Yeah, very nice. I'll give you that one. That was good. What's, uh, what's Mission? Mission. Oh, shit, I got it, dude. Yeah, you got it. Mission oh. Impossible. Let's yeah. go. The Chief. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Steve slash Inquisitor slash slash Peace Corps Protector. Appreciate you joining me, man. Um, this has been another episode of In the Can, part of the Barnburner Podcast Network. We have a lot of good stuff on the site right now. Related to the Memphis Grizzlies, um, there's free agency going on, the draft picks, and, uh, and some good Cardinals stuff if you're a baseball fan. So check out the site, read the stuff, check out the podcast, uh, and I appreciate you joining me, Steve. Um, hey, man, always a pleasure. You know I jump at every opportunity to talk with movies with you, man. Awesome, Can't man. wait. To, we'll get another one on here soon. We need to. And again, this tape uh, slash disc slash podcast will self-destruct in five seconds, so we need to hop off. <laughs>